Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are bringing you a whole month of movies, horror movies, since we're a horror movie podcast, from one of our favorite production slash distribution companies. Yeah. A24. A24. Bitches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed appropriate. Dial it back. Okay. Doing <laughs> Your it energy right level now. is a little high. But it's A24. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we used to kind of think that they just made these movies, but they're an entertainment company, and so they're both distributing as well as producing some of these, right? And uh, some of these on this list were made by A24, and some of them were just distributed or picked up at film festivals, right? As is the case for, like, Talk to Me, right? Mm-hmm. Which we have seen before the rest of the world, and it still has made our list. Gotcha. Right. have to stay tuned to figure out where. So, since he said list, we are in fact doing a top 10 list. Yes, just in case you didn't see the title when you clicked on it, (laughs) or tapped on it, or whatever, this is the top 10 A24 horror movies. As chosen by the Film Flamers. And I love that we have a whole entertainment company that we can choose 10 movies from. And actually, our list for quite long yeah and there was a big list of ones that we hadn't seen like at first i was worried like we're not going to have a lot right they're just really notorious for really good kind of like top shelf horror movies or highbrow or whatever you want to call it right yeah or even just like weird but uh when we put this list together it was like a good like 25 movies you know either horror like most of them being you know the vast majority being straight up horror with some horror adjacency peppered throughout and so we're including a little bit and we're kind of moving some of those more adjacent ones to special mentions. Yeah. And I mean, like the movies they've put out so far, at least in the horror genre, are vast and very, very good by and largely. Even the ones that I wouldn't even put into the top 10 that I've seen are excellent horror movies. Yeah. These people know what they're doing with this genre and genre adjacency. So I'm excited to talk about these movies. Yeah. So should we start at number 10? I think we should. Yes. Per tradition. So our number 10 is Under the Skin. And this movie certainly got under mine. It did. Did you even finish it? I mean, no, I did not. I got really close to finishing it, but I gave up hands in the air and sighed and just had to walk away. All right. So let's do a caveat here, right? So we had our own lists and then we, you know, ran it through the machine gamut. And did ranked choice voting, essentially. And so it came out with a list that kind of combined ours and made an ultimate film flamers list. And so this was not on your top 10. No. But it was still above some others. Yes. Why don't you talk about it for a minute? And then I will talk about how I want to continue my Under the Skin experience. Okay. Well, Under the Skin is a really interesting movie. Very slow burn. So if if any of you are into slow burns, great. If you're not into like indie slow burns, then this might not be for you. But it's essentially Scarlett Johansson is like an alien and is going down to collect humans uh, as essentially food. Right. Mm -hmm. And she has to kind of lure them in for some whatever reason. They have to lure them in and keep them at like an aroused state. And as they're being kind of captured for like the best meat, I guess. And so it goes into kind of an examination of what being human is. And so like the longer these aliens are taking human form, the more human they become. And from the beginning of being absolutely robotic evil in a way, you know, uh, to 
realizing what emotion is and what it feels like and getting humanized and then you know the repercussions of that and so it's really really fascinating and the music is fucking killer you are correct with that this soundtrack is fucking amazing yes like i love it i listen to it i love it when we're in the car and it comes on randomly like i just i love this music it's really really good and i have to say like i watched under the skin after you did because you watched it you said you loved it and i was like okay and i happened to randomly wake up one morning at like 3 a.m and could not go back to sleep and so i turned it on and i just that was not the right time for me to watch this movie no it was not and i i can while watching it i was like okay it's striking visually and scarlett johansson does a very good job in this movie with her performance Mm -hmm. And I just, I just wasn't enjoying myself. I wasn't into it. And I feel like if I were to watch it again under better circumstances, I probably would love this movie very much. Right. Yeah. And so I want, I want to watch it again, but I'm sort of holding it because I know that eventually we'll probably deep dive this movie. That's right. I feel like we're doing a 24 this month. We'll probably have another a 24 month eventually. Well, and we're also doing an a 24 poll over on patreon and this is probably going to be on that list Mm -hmm. for patrons to actually choose our bonus episode so if you want to be part of that poll head on over to patreon.com slash the film flamers that's right and lick that poll (laughs) girl (laughs) number nine on our list is saint Maud, and this movie came out uh, just a couple years ago at the time of this recording and i really fucking loved it 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 has a lot of things in it that i really enjoyed like religious horror a lot small cast single location type of situation small cast single location religious horror like it was just good it was like it was a kind of a small character study right yeah but it has two really really strong female leads played yes. by elizabeth bennett and galadriel Galadriel. <laughs> the new Galadriel. Elizabeth Bennett. Sorry, it took me a minute. <laughs> Mr. Depostrophe Otzi. <laughs> That's right. Um, and like I, I feel like when I watched St. Maud, we had just watched um, what the fuck? Pride and Prejudice, yeah. too. So I was like, oh my God, it's her. She's the one. <laughs> yeah, the BBC Pride and Prejudice from the 90s, not the Kira Knightley and I feel like we're going to be saying this a lot when we're talking about these A24 movies, but St. Maud is also kind of a slow burn, right? And a lot of it has to do the horror in it with the way these women interact, right? Yeah. And like the differences between their two personalities and yet they rely on each other for things. And um, like when it comes to shocking endings, like this one has one and it kind of took me by surprise the first time that i saw it It didn't surprise me at all i know i remember you saying that and i was just like i mean i remember my my mouth being agape and my entire decolletage being like you know clutched yeah so i'm a little bit like much I'm, i would say i'm actually much more cynical uh of of like religion in horror movies or religion in general yeah than you are and so that was probably what happened because there's a whole religious element to the ending mm-hmm and so I saw it coming from a mile away and even wanted that to happen versus like what you probably thought was coming or wanted to happen. And so I could see that for most people that this would be more of a shocking ending. And this is, you know, the thing on my list that actually didn't cut right. my top 10, but was very near it. So 
I mean, and again, I, I feel like maybe in a couple of years, if you were to rewatch this movie, you might feel differently possibly, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's, it's kind of off-putting and I, don't know, I just, I like it a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's very descriptive. <laughs> Number eight. Is it too early to climax? <laughs> it's never too early to climax. We climax last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, that's climax. And I actually had forgotten that this was an A24 film. And this is by Gaspar, Gaspar Noé. Gaspar Noé. Yeah. yeah. He's done movies like Irreversible. This movie's very French, right? And uh, we have a hot takes episode on this movie, right? We saw it in the theater. I mean, I was looking forward to it, and I feel like you were as well. I think it was like opening day or close to it. Yeah, really close to it. And um, this movie is just fucking bonkers. It is. And like, it started giving me like contact high. A contact climax? Not in a good way. Yeah. You know, and so I I like to kind of guard my mental space, you know, my mental garden. And this one really penetrated it. And I, you know, and that's probably a good thing. And so if you're up for a group watch, probably this probably wouldn't be a good alone watch. I mean, it depends on the group too. Yeah. I don't know. know. Like just kind of experience it with someone else, you know, kind of like Requiem for a Dream. It's not like that. No, it's not that. It's not like that. It's much more entertaining and like lighthearted than that, but it's not lighthearted and it's not entertaining. Um, Well, I mean, it's it's entertaining. entertaining. You were crying in the first like five minutes. I was. Because it was like so touching as far as like how they were like, because this whole thing is about dance, right? The dance troupe that gets locked in and then drugged. That's right. Together, like on acid or mushrooms or something. They are celebrating their upcoming tour and someone spikes their drink with drugs. Yeah. <clears throat> and things go awry, as can happen when people take drugs in a group, right? And it, like, shit really hits the fan. And this movie turns into a Gaspar Noé film, you know? <laughs> and by the end of it, like, you're kind of spent like you would be had you had a whole night on drugs, kind of. Like, yeah. you, you sort of get that entire experience. The reason I like this movie so much is because the first time we watched it, I was like, yeah, it was good. I I liked it. And then I watched it again when they put it on Amazon Prime. And I really, really enjoyed it on that second watch. And then I watched it again. Wow. I've only ever seen it that once in the theater because I just I didn't want to experience that again. (laughs) And I watched it three times. And like it was still on my top ten. (laughs) Yeah. The more I watched this movie. Like the just the more I like it, and it is it is very strange, and it's not like it doesn't make you feel good at all, you know. But it's it's a well made movie, and the more I watch it, the more I see the the horror aspects of it. Because at first I was like, eh, horror Jason, no, bad it's happening. Very like real life horror, yeah, but in a very distinctive stylized way. And I don't, the, the more I watch it, the more I think about it, I just. I really, really like this movie. I want to see it again, too. Yeah, I think you need to. But I just, I'm not ready. I haven't been yeah. ready. Maybe I'm ready now. Maybe, I mean, like, when it's time for you to climax again. Okay. We'll lead up to it. Right. But I feel like watching it at home comfortably, maybe with a gummy or not. I don't know. I feel like this movie would make my top 10 of movies to watch in an altered state. I think it would be, like, opposite. Because I wouldn't, yeah. be, you know, like, bad trip, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like I would, I would certainly take something and watch this movie. (laughs) I probably have at this point. I don't know. One of those three times. 
<clears throat> Number seven on our list is a movie that I recently watched that Chris had seen before, and that is Lamb. Right. And so I think this was on my list from last year for top yes. horror, maybe, or a special mention, maybe, because mm-hmm. I didn't really rate it that highly, but it is also another slow burn. Yes. It's going to be, you know, kind of a theme, actually, with A24, right? This is the highbrow slow burn horror that A24 produces. And so there's very few of these that really aren't, you know. But uh, Lamb is about a lamb. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to describe, and I don't want to really describe too much of it without, like, giving things away. Yeah, because there are ways to spoil this movie, for sure. And I'm I'm so glad. uh, We were talking off mic today. I was like, I'm so glad that you didn't, like, tell me everything about this movie. Yeah. Because there are some jaw-dropping reveals and moments in this and i am glad that i went into it kind of like blind except for the trailer right and the trailer is kind of just like a couple taking in a newborn sheep a lamb and treating it like a child yeah and that's essentially that in in a nutshell but it's also about you know it's a character study and this is new mirror pace who was also in of course um prometheus Mm -hmm. you know and she you know, it, it goes kind of into the, you know, loss, loss of a child, uh, possessiveness of loved ones and jealousy, yeah. um, you know, and then also kind of repercussions of yeah. actions and things like that. And so it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's really pretty. There's a lot of chunky knits. Yes. <laughs> because of course, this takes place in uh, I- Iceland, Iceland, Yeah, I guess, you know, and uh, they're kind of like in a farm, you know, up in the mountains and the highlands of Iceland or whatever. And it's very like... You bucolic. know, Stonehenge, bucolic, you know, and and it's a uh, it's it's a fun watch if, if you're just like just staring at the screen and looking at the beauty of, of the, the landscape, but also kind of a slow burn. There's kind of a little bit of horror at the beginning, a little horror at the end and, and some human drama in the middle, you know, so this is kind of adjacent, you know, but it's definitely worth seeing for the character study and uh, for the weirdness of it. It is certainly weird because it goes into interesting places. It really does. And I feel like. A lot of movies on our list for A24 have a lot of things in common, obviously. Like, I feel like they go after very specific kinds of genre film, right? Yeah. And so words like grief, loss, trauma get thrown around a lot when we're talking about A24 movies. And Lamb is no exception. I feel like a lot of those things are sort of like boiling underneath the surface in this movie. And there's a lot going on under the surface, under the skin, right? That there is to talk about, right? And I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked this movie. And it moved onto my top 10 list after just one watch. Like somebody got kicked off to put Lamb in there because it's just really good and really weird and strikingly pretty, which I guess is something else that H24 has in common. All of these are very important human stories at their core. Yes. You know, and, you know, I I often think of movies that aren't A24 as A24 when they do that now, Mm -hmm. like Relic. Yeah. You know, um, you know, a couple of others that I that I thought like maybe it follows, but less so maybe because that's, you know, but it's like, you know what I mean? When it's about when the horror movie is not about the horror, but it's about something else versus something like that's a little bit more popcorny, like insidious or malignant. Right. You know, no, I mean, like these movies will tend to focus on the, like the characters, right? It's very character driven horror. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And I think that we talk about that a lot in movies that we deep dive into. We always get into like the specifics about like characters and how that affects the plot and the theme and whatnot. And I, A24 has it in spades for sure. Speaking of character studies, 
<laughs> we combined X and Pearl into one because we just wanted to talk about more movies. <laughs> I mean, but they're they're kind of the same movie, right? Yeah. And so this, of course, is Ty West with Mia Goth in their amazing, you know, I guess 2022 of releasing X at the beginning of the year and Pearl kind of near the end-ish, you know, and then thinking we might have gotten Maxine, but that's going to come out this year. You know, it's kind of their trilogy or, or whatnot going through the through the decades. And so X and Pearl are both excellent horror films in ways, in, in interesting ways that you wouldn't expect, especially with Pearl. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> even if these two movies existed in their own bookend vacuum, right, without Maxine that's coming out, like, I feel like it's a good... It's a good character study for that particular character, Pearl, right? And then Maxine sort of like expands on it. And all these characters are played by Mia Goth and an outstanding performance. Performance. I mean, she was great in X in both the roles that she played. Yeah. She was super excellent in Pearl. Like, I don't know. Like Oscar worthy, certainly. For real. And I, I feel like she was snubbed for Pearl. Very much so. And I, Ty West has spoken out about that. And even Mia Goth has spoken out and said, you know what? It's time for us to start remembering genre performances when it comes time for award season. And yeah. she's not wrong, you know, because there's going to be other movies on our list where people got snubbed for amazing performances. But <clears throat> I don't know. I Last year when we were crafting our top tens, right? And X and Pearl had come out. And early on in the year, I said, X for sure is going to be like high on my list, right? Movies came out. We saw other things and it sort of got moved down. But then I got to this point where I was creating that list and I was like, well, which one do I like better? Do I like X or like Pearl better? And at the end of the day, they landed right next to each other. But Pearl scooched ahead just a little bit. To me, it was opposite. I think yeah. I liked X a little bit better. But you now did. I think of them as kind of the same story. Yep. And it's hard not to, right? Yeah. And have you seen the first look uh, images they released about Maxine this week? No. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It looks very, very 80s. Mia Goth looks great. I'm excited to see where this character goes. And I think this is a really good step for both Mia Goth and Ty West in their careers. And I'm anxious to see what else they do. So, And I love that A24 is just like signing the checks. You know? That's right. Do it. Yeah, go make these movies. Because when they made X... They had the space that they had rented to make that movie. And they're like, just make another one. Yeah. They were like on time, on budget, before budget, before time mm-hmm. or whatever. And they're like, hey, let's make another movie. And they, and they did. wrote it over a weekend and then just did it. My God. You and know? they turned out to be two very excellent movies that are really, you know, kind of in the middle of this A24 list, but they're recent. And so yeah. that says something about it. Exactly. So we've reached number five on our list, and this one is also a little horror adjacent, but leads into the sci-fi area a little bit more, and that is Ex Machina. Right, and this was the directorial debut of Alex Garland, who, of course, we've sung the praises for as a writer a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. or even a shadow director for like things like Dread, and of course writing for like Sunshine or um, 20 Days Later, Annihilation, which did he also direct? He directed that, yes. Yeah, but this was his, uh, Ex Machina was his directorial debut, which is knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Because this was amazing. And of course, if you haven't seen this, this is about essentially AI, ro- robotics and AI. That's, you know, and they're, they, this billionaire brings this guy out to kind of test his newest robot. 
you know, and has to kind of go through the Turing test and, and a couple of other things to kind of test how, how human it is. So it's an examination of what human is and also an examination of the dangers of AI and things like that, you know, and uh, it's gorgeously shot. The effects, I think, were up for an Oscar or maybe even won the Oscar. They were up for it. Yeah. And so it's just an excellent movie. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call this a slow burn. I think it's just. No, I'm, I would almost call this like, like a movie like popcorn you know it's exciting Hello, to watch yeah, it's not quite know? there as far as like it's a popcorn movie it's not a popcorn movie no i mean it's not like a temple like if we compare it to this slow burn to the other slow burns this this burn is burning a little faster <laughs> it's going at the speed limit at least <laughs> yeah. but this movie is very enjoyable the characters are fun to watch whether you like them or hate them I mean, like, talk about great performances. Alicia Vikander in this movie. I love Alicia Vikander because of this and because of her performance in The Green Knight, mm-hmm. playing two roles. And, of course, Oscar Isaac is in this. Yes. And then one of the redheads. <laughs> but this movie is so good. I love it when I look at my Facebook memories every day, right? There's one day that I look forward to because I know it's going to pop up. Right around Oscar time, I just flat out put a post that said, Ex Machina should have been nominated for Best Picture. And I was mad that year (laughs) that it wasn't. It was such a good movie. This movie is excellent. And it makes you think and makes you have fun and keeps you on the edge of your seat. And it really straddles that horror adjacency line, right? It just reminds me of why I like like horrific science fiction movies the most out of the science fiction genre. Yeah, and this is the point on our list where we're getting into that 4.55 star kind of range of movies, right? I'm fairly certain that Ex Machina is at least a 4.5 and then everything above this is at that or higher. So you're right. I mean, and that's to say that the movies that came before this are also really close to that ranking. Yeah. for, For both of us. And so... With that, we need to move into another Oscar contentious film, which is Ari Aster's Hereditary. Oh my God. I mean, social media is still complaining that Tony Collette was not nominated for the Academy Award for this movie. I know. And she should have been. Like, the her performance in Hereditary is just fucking masterful. Brilliant. It is so good. In a movie that I go back and forth on. Right. Like I really, I liked it a lot the first time I watched it. It's almost a wet Grinch salad by the end. I've just, I don't have a breath. There's yeah. something that needed some sort of breathing scene or some sort of something in the pacing to like, give me a, a fucking break. Cause it's beating me over the head with this wet Grinch salad, you know? And by the end, I'm just like, d- just drained, you know? And I'm just drained by the end of this. Cause it is a character study on family and really intense trauma oh, yeah. and family issues that have happened to this family where there's guilt and there's blame and there's all these other things. And then they have this supernatural bullshit to contend with, you know, which is like sins of the father type of situation, you know, where there's like hereditarial like stuff going on in the background, you know? And so it's, it's a really, really fascinating movie. It's also really fucking scary and there's really, really good performances. And so hereditary obviously is already a classic. It is. And I feel like people, People talk about it a lot. People like this movie a lot. I think out of all the A24 movies, I feel like this one is probably the most popular. It probably has made the most money um, and will probably go down for now as like their biggest like money maker or blockbuster type film. Except for everything everywhere all at once. That blew it yes. up. Yes. Okay. Horror. Let's yeah. say horror. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you're right in everything that you said. This movie does not give you a break at all. Aside from all the trauma and and family issues that are going on, this movie, you're slowly watching someone just unravel, like step by step, and watching Tony Collette just go literally insane or have some nervous breakdown is affecting and makes you feel a certain way while you're watching this movie. I felt so anxious watching this. And I, I remember watching this in the theater and I was just like, oh my goodness, this filmmaker is making me feel things. Like my heart is fucking racing and like nothing is really happening. I'm just watching someone have a nervous breakdown yeah, and destroy her family and she can't stop doing it. And, yeah. And in fact, my favorite scene of the entire movie isn't anything of the horror you know, it's it's literally just a dinner scene. The dinner scene. Yeah. With her and, and her son, you know, and kind of the husband kind of just like sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> watching this happen. And it's her just kind of exploding on her son with all of that guilt and kind of having a kind of a therapeutic moment, but also a damaging moment at the same time. That's right. And that performance is absolutely masterful. I think the thing that keeps me from putting this movie higher on the list is the way that it ends. Yeah, the way that it ends, it's just like it's wet grinch salad on top of wet grinch salad. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give you that respite and it doesn't give you a huh at the end, right? Even then, it's just like shit. Yep. <laughs> you just end with shit at the end of this movie, you know? And so that's, it's kind of, it just is what it is, you know? But when, when you talk about jaw dropping moments in a horror movie, right? And, and for those of you who've seen this movie, and I, I'm not going to spoil anything just in case you have it, but just think like telephone pole. You know what I mean? It happened so early in the film and it went in a direction that I didn't think it was going. I really thought that, you know, th- these are who these characters are. and We're going to see them, you know, and then something happens. And I was like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, really? And I love it when movies make that sharp left turn and become something else. But this movie becomes something else maybe a little too often. Yes. Right? And yeah. it's it's not quite five star, but it's really close. But it starts almost fucking with the audience because it wants to fuck with the audience. Right. You know? For better or for worse. It doesn't, and, it doesn't ever like bring the audience in, you know, to be intimate with the audience. You know, it, it's like this is what we are. Deal with it. And we're yeah. going to force ourselves upon you. Almost like a fucking visual cinematic rape. <laughs> and, and you know what? As far as I know, I know some people who have seen this movie many, many times. And so they have come back to experience that fucking torture or whatever. And I've only seen this movie twice, but I mean, I would watch it again, but it's, it would take a lot. And I I feel like eventually we would probably have a deep dive into this movie. I feel like we need to actually, of course we, we'd have to. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're basically contractually obligated. (laughs) I feel like every horror podcast eventually is like, so now is our obligatory hereditary episode. (laughs) Come on. Oh, Tony Collette, I hope you get an Oscar one day, girl. Come on. Tony Collette, talk to me. <laughs> what an excellent segue into number three. <laughs> you are the king of segues. <laughs> I can barely spell segue. Um, <laughs> so number three on our top ten list is a very, very recent movie. So recent, in fact, that it hasn't been released yet. <laughs> It comes, right. it comes out in July. And that movie is Talk, Talk to, to Me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is not a better film than Hereditary, but it might be a better movie. It, it certainly is. Because <laughs> it's more entertaining. It's it's just as like traumatic 
and painful as hereditary in some ways. You know, maybe not reaching quite the highs or maybe the lows, but it's more fun. Oh my God, it is fun. Because not everyone in this movie is fucking miserable, you know? <laughs> no, they're not. They're mostly having a good time, actually. Yeah. And I'm having a good time with them. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of Schoidenfrada or whatever, whenever mm-hmm. they, you know, kind of get what they're, what's coming to them, you know, because yeah, they're fucking, right. you know. It's kind of making fun of that culture where, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to eat, you know. Tide pods. Tide pods. <laughs> you know, it's like how far kids will go to entertain themselves with risk, you know. And, and then also there's some family trauma stuff going on as well. And there's some other stories, you know, and so it's got a lot of different things from other horror movies of recent, especially the newest crop with like it follows and and other things. And and uh, this is one that A24 actually picked up, did not produce. This was independently produced in Australia and they picked it up at, at I think, maybe like Sundance or, or uh, South by Southwest. It was Sundance. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got to see it at the Overlook Film Festival and we just had a great time. The trailer's out there. Yeah. So check it out. We've talked about it before. Uh, if you want us to, if you want to hear us talk about it even more, you can listen to our uh, Overlook Film Festival podcast episode that came out like a month or two ago, okay. April. Yep. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about it probably, uh, you know, in the coming months when it comes out during for sure times because we're going to take all of our friends because we really think that this is going to be A24's next horror hit. Yeah. This actually might be a little bit like the the most popcorn they've ever gone with horror. You know, and so I feel like this could be a phenomenon. I certainly think so. I feel like we walked out of that theater, like amazed by how much fun we had watching it, how scary it is, how gory it is in moments. I mean, it really does satisfy a lot of things that horror fans want in film all in one movie. And it's fun to watch. And it still makes you think it's still very A24. But I mean, it is a movie with a capital M, right? Yeah. And I feel like word of mouth is going to spread when people go see this movie. And probably those words are going to come from our mouths a lot. Yeah. Versus film with a capital F. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but this movie, I if it does not perform super well, I'm talking like paranormal activity kind of well, I will be shocked. Yeah. And I think A24 is doing something interesting with the marketing where they're making it seem like it's more of an A24 movie. Yeah. Than it is like it's a little bit more of a slow burn or more of a character study, you know, and then people are going to have more fun than they realized. And then it's going to have that word of mouth, you know, viral spread and people Mm -hmm. are going to go, you know, and so different people are going to watch this movie for different reasons, you know, but essentially if you you don't want to like skip around, this movie essentially is about, you know, holding the hand of this like dead gypsy (laughs) statuette thing or whatever and and saying, talk to me. And it lets the spirit, you know, you see the spirits and then you say, I let you in and then possesses you. And if in a certain number of, you know, seconds or whatever, if you don't let go, then they might have a more permanent presence in your life, you know, with repercussions or they can like, that's the rush, you know, it's almost like a drug. And so it's a, it's a group of kids that are fucking around with this shit, you know, and what happens with them. And so it's just a really interesting, fun roller coaster ride. Yeah. It's called talk to me, Colin, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, and this movie is fucking scary. It is terrifying. When we were watching this. I was just scared to death. And I had to look away at some parts, right? A little squeamish, but I just really, really enjoyed it. And I think that it says something about this movie that it's so high on our top 10 list 
right after just that recent of a watch and not having been released yet like please and, yeah part this of movie. this might just be us chomping at the bit trying to get people to see it you know so maybe. we can talk about it more yeah you know but and we can't so maybe that's part of why it's so high on this list you know because like is it a better film than ex machina or hereditary or lamb or climax or saint mod you know probably not but is it a more fun movie yeah. It's that alien versus aliens kind of conversation. For real. Know? And this movie is very fun. So we've said it so many times just in this conversation. Go see this movie. July It'll 28th. be out midsummer. <laughs> oh, with the segues. Oi, with the segues already. Come on. <laughs> so midsummer is number two on our list. And um, we are going to be deep diving into midsummer this month. And I have not seen this movie since I saw it in the theater. Have you seen it again? I might have, yeah. Okay. I might have seen it a second. I think I bought it on Blu-ray or something. I'll have to see if I have it on 4K. But I don't know. You you might should because it's just a really, really like, um, you know, eye candy, a lot of it. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of detail. This is another character study, you know, going through the loss of her family. This is Florence Pugh. Oh my gosh. In an Oscar performance. God damn For it. real again For with this real. bullshit. And then she, uh, you know, they, she has an opportunity to go with her boyfriend and, and his friends, you know, to Sweden or wherever the fuck that is. And Scandinavia. Scan, yeah. Scandinavian country. Um, and often the, the wilderness of this kind of cult. Right. And so it's like experiencing what that cult is and what their perspectives are about shared human emotion and trauma and, and how they deal with it. And so it's really interesting. It's like horrific, but also beautiful at the same time. And there's a lot of interesting themes about loss and moving on and dealing with trauma and um, a lot of fucking nasty horror and horrific, yeah. scary shit. There really is. I mean, like Ari Oster, come on. I have not seen Bo is afraid and I'm not sure I, I want to until it's maybe out on streaming. Yeah. I, that's a home watch for me, yeah. you know, but I feel like his movies are very, very good. But they're going to cause some sort of trauma in your life. <laughs> they will cause some trauma in your life because he makes movies about trauma. And all of them, I feel like his movies are now going into the horror adjacency area because Hereditary is very, very horrific. I feel like Midsommar is a little less yeah. traditional horror, right? But it is still right up there with things like The Wicker Man, right? Like this is cold horror at its finest yeah. with a great performance by Florence Pugh which I say every time I see her in a movie I mean like don't worry darling was a good movie I was surprised by how much I liked it I wasn't expecting that and but a lot of that was her part. Yeah, yeah she's always know? the best part like in the stupid Black Widow movie yeah. like uh, it was an alright movie but she was the best part of it she was hilarious and I mean like Oscar she will win one eventually right so, have you seen the trailer for Dune part 2 I have not yet I was expecting it to be on the next shooting the flames she's in it and it looks amazing <laughs> I mean so she was nominated for the Oscar for Little Women yeah, right? of all things and she has the least to do and I movie. know and I was just like really Midsommar come on but I mean like of all the things that she's in like that's the one but Midsommar she's just so good in and this movie really does make you think about loss and trauma and grief like within the first moments of it and it just like keeps expounding on that until the very very end when you want to feel something cathartic and they sort of give it to you you know i can't like, wait to watch this movie again because i know there's a lot of visual easter eggs too yes. i love visual symbolism and man 
I am like, I'm super excited to I watch this I think I pointed movie. at least one of them out to you. You did. Yeah. You did. So I, I'm excited to watch this again. I want to watch it with you because I think we saw it separately each time or yeah. last time. Yeah. So um, we're going to deep dive it this month. So that's right. We're chomping at the bit. Stay tuned for that one. And also stay tuned for the movie that is the number one on our list, which we will also be deep diving into. And that is, of course, The Witch or The Vivitch. The Vivitch however you want to say it or write it. One of the most contentious on our list because some people just hate this movie. It's polarizing for sure. I love the shit out of it. I also love the shit out of it. I think this movie's fantastic. It's also the only Robert Eggers movie that I actually love. I liked The Lighthouse. It was okay. Yeah. I did not like his latest as much. His big Hamlet movie. What was the title? Hamlet Viking movie. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. The Northman. The Northman, yeah. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, the, the lighthouse, it was fine. You know, like I... There's some I, cool shit. And oh man, talk about performances. Oh, Willem <laughs> Dafoe in that movie is so good. Uh, um, so if I was going to make a top 10 monologues, that would pro- probably close to number one. The monologues in that movie. And oh my God, I do stand a monologue. But The Witch, though. <laughs> okay, we've gotten off the rails with, with our number one choice. So to me, The Witch is the most recent classic horror movie. I feel like... Out of all the things that have come out within the last like 10 years or so, like this one's going to stand the test of time a little bit. When people ask me what horror movies to watch that have come out recently, I always say The Witch first. If I'm going to make a list of movies that people need to have seen if they want to have a complete horror experience, The Witch will always be on that list for me. I love folk horror too. Yes. And this is like folk horror, but it's not like pretentious mm-hmm. it's pacing might be like you might think it's pretentious at first but it just is what it is it's just a portrait of a family you know and it's like a, a nightmare for these people in this time going off into the wilderness in a very specific moment in time where that could happen still you know and this is like colonial days mm-hmm. you know like uh, witch hunt days witch hunt yeah yeah where they really thought like witches were out in the wilderness, like just stealing babies and shit, you know, and, and what that fear actually might've looked and felt like back then from their perspective versus what we think, which is a lot more cheesy popcorn-y today. And it really brings it to a visceral point of horror to really bring it home. Like this is why the witch trope is around today because of, of this time. You know, and it's it's brilliant, brilliant uh, casting mm-hmm. across the board, brilliant script and story, brilliant pacing to me. Love the ending. A lot of people absolutely fucking hate it. I love the ending. And I I mean, talk about performances, right? Which we have used that word more, I think, in this episode than we ever have in our podcast. But cow eyes, come on. Anya Taylor-Joy in this movie. And this is where she really like caught my attention. I can't remember anything before this, right? But the first time I saw The Witch, I was like, that one, that one right there has big things ahead of her. And look at her career now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, she is just being cast left and right and is a household name, fully recognizable. And this movie is not that old, you know? And she's not that old, but she's an amazing actress. And her performance in this movie, just like everything else that she does is just so, so good. And like this movie really is a slow burn. I was talking about this with someone else today and I was like, yeah, that movie is, is it's a long movie. And he was like, no, it's an hour and a half. And Lamb is like an hour 0.75. And I'm like, oh shit, 
you know like you can feel the pace in this movie and the dread that builds up by every fucking step of it i also like how it just handles all the themes right it shows the light and dark sides of religion yes you know it shows uh the light and dark sides of family and how they lean on religion as a comfort and on family as a comfort but also the dark sides of those and you know it's uh it's about finding your when a woman finds her not illness but um when you find your power finding your your truth and your your onus essentially your power yeah you know especially as a young female that's right you know especially in this world you know it's really really interesting to see how seductive kind of leaving everything behind could be potentially and uh i don't want to get too spoilery if you haven't seen the witch but if you've been waiting you need to see it also another killer fucking soundtrack yes and I love, I mean, we talked about like back pivot, back pivot. <laughs> <laughs> turning away from religion. I think a lot of this movie is about like turning your back on community and separating yourself from the people around you for whatever differences you have and then finding the differences within the community that you make. Right. Or that you're born into. And I don't know. It's just a lot. And I'm so ready to talk about this movie. I feel like. We haven't wanted to talk about this movie for the entirety of our podcast. I want to live deliciously. We do. And we're about to. Like, the time has come. <laughs> After we do The Witch, maybe the actual death rattle of the podcast. <laughs> we're like, we've done it. We've hit the pinnacle at this point. Because yeah. I feel like you and I both really love this movie. The death knell will be after Hereditary. <laughs> yeah. Once you scrape the bottom of the and actually do a deep dive on Nell. <laughs> Say in the wind. <laughs> We're like, well, this is our last episode and it's on Nell. <laughs> you know, Jodie Foster, we've talked about her before. Fine, moving on. <laughs> See you never. <laughs> Day in the wind. Day in the wind. You know, I've seen that movie maybe two times in my entire life, but I remember things like Tay in the Wind. And she's like, Tian Pay, I'll take a pay or whatever. And on Patreon, Summer's Bay. God. Okay. Featuring the most uncomfortable kiss between two gays. I never even thought about that. Would you care, Jodie Foster? To be a fly on the wall, <laughs> vomiting as they vomit. To be that gerbil. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Special mentions. That's what we're doing. That's right. Okay, we have gone through our top ten, and uh, but there are some movies that were very, very close to being put in, and maybe some that we didn't put in for very specific reasons. Right. So starting with the room, or just room, actually, not the room. Yeah, Let's no, stay away from no, that. That's, one. A, that's a different that's a, movie. That's a different horror story. <laughs> right. And so this is room that stars Brie Larson, and it got her her first, I guess, Oscar nomination. I don't. I remember, yeah. Did she win? Uh, she might have. I think she won. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is an excellent character study, but also real life horror, where she's like stuck, and I think it's based on a real story. But they're based. They're basically like. Stuck in a, a room, essentially, as kidnapped mother and who has a baby yep. while she's kidnapped and was raising that in a room. And that's the, the world of this kid. And then what happens when they escape, you know, in the aftermath of that? And so it's like real life horror. And like there's some like you could say at the beginning, you know, being kidnapped is kind of a slashery horror type of situation. Definitely. But after it's like this is what happened after Michael Myers won, you know, like I don't know. But uh, it's really, really interesting, uh, you know, excellent 
you know, absolutely traumatic to watch, but also ends in a really interesting and thoughtful way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this movie and I walked out of the theater just devastated, right? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of trauma in this, like trauma. And it's, it's hard to watch. It's hard to like watch this character adjust to life outside of the room. Right. And the, the moments that are in the room is where I would put it in the horror adjacency category. You're right. But everything after that is completely real life horror and real life horror at its finest. Like it really just shows you how a character can. Are you crying? I just started thinking about deep into the ocean. Oh Lord! Because <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of it. For well, I mean, who they're similar. <laughs> I mean, for those of you who have not seen Room, or you know, if you're like a stringent horror fan or whatever, like I, w- I would never watch something like that. Like it's it's an amazing movie, and it's one of those movies that I would say like stop fighting the horror adjacency fight. And just watch it, you yeah. know, and and try to find try to find room for that argument, oh, you know. So good. Look at me; I can do puns, but not a segue. And you want to furnish that room in fabric. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie that was on my list until I watched Lamb. Essentially, yeah, and it was right below on mine too, because this was uh, like Lamb was your watch that I hadn't that you hadn't seen that I had. And then in fabric was one that I had not seen. And I rated it fairly highly too, because this is very Dario Argento, very uh, Brian De Palma, Uh a little bit of Tim Burton splashed in, Uh you know, and uh, it's very, very specific. It kind of stops making the movie that it wanted to make and starts making another one. And then by the end, it pulls it together. So it lost a whole fucking star for me for that. But like, it's like, you can't commit to your story, then fuck you. But it does and it goes off on a segue and then it loops back. And so I did not appreciate that. But outside of that, like, what is this movie about? <laughs> I mean, it's not about anything. Essentially, it's about a killer dress. It's about, yes, and about retail. Yeah. <laughs> the horrors of the retail. The horrors of retail. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I like this I movie. The top letterbox was like, retail during the holidays really be like that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just fucking bizarre. Like I sat down to watch it and I'm fairly certain I had a gummy and I was like, now what? But I was struck by so many things. Like some of the performances in this movie are very, very good. Like we said throughout A24, right? I guess it's the, their number one like characteristic of their movies is like good acting performances. Yeah, The performances are great. A surprisingly good performance from Gwendolyn Christie in this movie. Like, Why I, surprisingly? I, I don't know. I mean, she's good in everything that she's in. She's just, she was different in different. this. Yeah, she was yeah. very different. Yeah. And I don't know, this movie is just surprising and shocking sometimes. I wonder how people that are not fans of classic horror or like deep cut horror would react to this. Oh, they wouldn't. Because me, like I was just thinking about this. I felt like this was almost like a graduation film for me because me four years ago before I had really gotten like I was a horror fan Mm -hmm. and I had some deep cuts, but I have not like this podcast has been an education for me. Same. As well. Yeah. And so but four years ago, I would not have said, this is Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. This is Brian De Palma. You know, this is a bunch of other things. And they're not like horror, horror, you know, like, but I could, I could recognize Suspiria in here. I can recognize Dressed to Kill in here. I could recognize, you know, a, a, a little things from everywhere in here. Some, some Tim Burton sprinkled in, Yeah, you know, and because of the podcast, you know? And so it's like, if you are familiar with, 
a lot of these other like subgenres within horror or adjacencies within horror with these like classic directors, you know, um, watch in fabric because it's for you. It's made for you. See, and I would, I would, that's a glowing review to me. You know, I really like this movie and obviously now I know why, right? Cause I, I could not, I could never pinpoint why I like this movie so much, but I love Dario Argento and I love Brian De Palma and I have for a lot of my life. Yeah. Right. And watching this movie. Yes. It's a huge amalgam of, both of those directors and others, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So it's all for full. It's a little too ADHD for its own good, is what it is. Yeah, it's at the end of the day. It's a little all over the place. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking today, I was like, okay, I'm getting ready to record this episode. I want to talk about in fabric. I know I am at some point. And I was like, I remember the beginning and the middle and the end is kind of like foggy to me. And I was just like, okay, but I was so struck by the moments and the first like three quarters of this movie. You know, that I just... Agency. So <laughs> oh, found her agency? Yes! You got there. I love it. <laughs> Although I really like saying the word onus. <laughs> it sounds so sexy. <laughs> onus. Onus. Hey, discover my onus. Discover my onus. Onus is for lovers. <laughs> I got my onus and bought some star and anus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> can never say that fruit name star nays i think it's a niece <laughs> niece <laughs> but we're gay so of course we'd say anus <laughs> i have a star anus on my plate we all do anyway <laughs> we have one more special mention <laughs> and that's the green knight i'm gonna let you feel this one yeah i need you to see this again because i think you'd like it more Probably. I liked it when yeah. I watched it with you. A lot of people say it's a slow burn, which, you know, it, it is. It's also horror adjacent, you know, and I didn't want to like, we, we started pulling like, things like Room and The Green Knight out of this list because it instantly would just have fucked up the list, right? Green Knight would be easily my number one ahead of The Witch. Well, of course it would. Because I love everything about this movie. I love Alicia Vikander. You know, I love all of the other cast. I think it's perfectly cast. There's some other A24, both uh, you know, the people from the the parents from The Witch are in this right. in different roles. I think the Green Knight is played by the father and the mother plays Guinevere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is essentially the Knights of the Round Table, you know, essentially. And you've got uh, King Arthur and Morgan and, um, you know, and Morgan's son played by Dev Patel in a, a masterfully acted role, kind of so thankless role in a, in a way because he has to kind of play kind of a piece of shit. You know, and that's our main character. But he's kind of goes on this journey to kind of that set through kind of magic in a way, kind of that uh, understated supernatural, subtle supernatural that I love so much. Mm-hmm. And kind of goes off on this journey of like being set to become something that he's not. And but something that he still aspires to be and wants to be because of ego. Right. And then realizing what the repercussions of living a life that is a lie or being someone that you are not and being at peace with who you are and what that life could be like. And going through like uh, different like layers of meaning and visual symbolism. And and it's just like this movie is like a goddamn onion. It's layered. And it's so much more meaning and interesting stuff kind of layered onto the original story, in my opinion. You know, uh, visually, it's it's amazing. Musically, it's absolutely stellar. I absolutely just dig the shit out of this movie. I really enjoyed watching it. I every mean, time I watch it, I, I see something new. Every time? Every time you've seen it now? Four? Four, yeah. I would say it's about right. 
So I saw it the once with you, and I, I, I enjoyed watching it. It's a well-made movie, for sure. Um, and I can see how subsequent watches would make it better, yeah. right? Because there was a lot going on. You get more. You get yeah. more of the layers. You see more of the meaning. Once you like get it, you're in it, and then you're just like, yes, yes, yes. You know. And just like Room, I would call this horror adjacent. You know. In fact, I mean, I would I would consider The Green Knight to be more horror adjacent than Room, obviously. For sure. Yeah, because yeah, there's some fantasy involved. You know. Yeah. Uh, much like Lamb, there's fantasy involved. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to watch this movie again. I wanted some space between my watches, yeah. right? And I know that after you watched it, like, you talked about it a lot, you know? Like, I know that you really appreciated this movie. And that's another reason why I'd like to watch it again, you know? I need to give things another chance. I also love the design of the movie, too. It was fucking beautiful. That movie was beautiful. Yeah. I love it. At least that part of it. <laughs> I was a little bored. <laughs> yeah, and you might be, like, until you, like, start seeing the layers. And when it becomes more accessible. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's kind of, because I didn't, when I first walked out of it, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm. and then I st- thought about it, and I thought about it, and I listened to the soundtrack. And I was like, mm, I'm going to watch this again. And so I actually mm-hmm. ended up buying it uh, and just fell in absolute love with it on the second watch. I'm so glad that you said that, because I feel like... If we talk about our special mentions and our list as a whole, we've said things like performances. We've said things like grief and trauma and loss, which they experienced through A24. But I feel like the main thing about all the movies that this entertainment company puts out is that it's thought provoking. You leave a theater and you haven't forgotten it the next day or sometimes even a week after. Like this movies, these movies will stick with you and you will revisit them or think about them or want to revisit them. And I think that speaks very highly when you when you rate movies or write a review. You have to consider those things. And if I want to rewatch something or it sticks with me, that gives it at least an extra star. Always. Yeah. And I was really up in arms about it not being part of the Oscars in 2021, I guess. I know. You're about ready to boycott. Like, yeah. And I was seething still in the in the movie theater until that slap happened. And then, you know, took everything away. <laughs> and, then I, and then we could think of nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, what's the Green Knight? <laughs> yeah. Because we watched that with a group in the theater. <laughs> we're like, <gasps> we're watching the Oscars. The <laughs> <laughs> anyway, A24. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of him? <laughs> Talk to me. Check our show notes. Well, I think it just about wraps up our top 10 list of A24 horror films. As always, we would like to know what you think about these movies or do we miss something on our list? You can tell us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Talk to me, lamb. <laughs> lamb daddy. Lamb, lamb daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Get under my skin. It's hereditary. I want a climax. We're just saying titles. (laughs) We've done it. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Double click my pearl. (laughs) 
X. Polish my bro. <laughs> well, if you can't get enough of the Film Flamers content, and we know that you can't, we're going to have a poll of other A24 horror movies and or horror adjacent movies. So head over to patreon.com slash the Film Flamers. Vote in that poll and check out all the bonus content that we have for you and get our episodes earlier than the general public. That's right. Also up to you, but something that we really like is reviews. Uh, So head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave us a five-star review, tell us why you like us, and we're going to read that on the next Shooting the Flames. Along with all of your other comments, questions, and voicemails, and even singing. That's right. Do all the things. We love Shooting the Flames because we get to talk about y'all. Well, Robert. Well, Chris. I think it's time for me to go out into that wilderness and eat that apple. I don't know. (laughs) Meet Black Philip and live deliciously. Wouldst thou love to live deliciously? Yes. Okay. Wouldst. (laughs) Then let's go. Wouldst. 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 Well, either way. At Yield Shoppy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go have some. Sweet dreams. The old shopping. <laughs> We've got a wits for your bad, huh? Oh my god.